Hello and welcome to Studio P3. This is Marjolaine Fournier and uh, we are continuing our series on exploring the symphony. I'm sitting here with Jean-Jacques Van Vlasler, and our subject today, well, our pretext today is the Mozart Haydn Festival that will um, be happening in September 2010. But we would like to talk about Mozart, Haydn, their friendship, and also the time in which they were living and creating, which is the time of the Enlightenment, which is a huge subject on which there's not that much that has been written, really. Especially the relationship between Enlightenment and musicians. And Haydn and Mozart are both musicians of the Enlightenment. They're part of the Enlightenment. They represent the Enlightenment. They push the Enlightenment forward in a very different way than the philosophers, in a way. But, what, you know, what, what is enlightenment? In fact, enlightenment is self-conscience, is the conscience of the self, is the individual as a conquest, a conquest and as a horizon. It is we taking our own destiny in hands. Beethoven will very clearly say that a little bit later. It's not totally ready at the time of Haydn and Mozart, but it it will be, you know, about religious tolerance, it will be uh, will be about uh, abolition of torture, which is not really yet done totally. Um, about education for all, because the education for all comes from the equality principle, and you know, the the philosophers of course are a little bit ahead, especially in England and in France, a little bit ahead of what is happening in the Germanic world. But in the Germanic world, there is Goethe, and there. Is, and Schiller, of course, and there, and there are essentially the musicians who are examples. Mozart, for, for, according to some uh, philosophers, is the praxis. That is, he is the symbol. He is the, the living enlightenment, in fact. He hasn't read the, uh, the, 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 the philosophers of the enlightenment, but he is enlightenment as such. And we will come back to that, certainly. But Haydn, Haydn before him, in fact, I always compare Haydn to the French philosopher Voltaire and Mozart to the French philosopher Rousseau. Haydn was born 24 years before Mozart. Uh, uh, Rousseau uh, was 18 years after Voltaire. So there was that same difference and the same difference in the thought process. Uh, a, a, a French writer one day uh, uh, compared the letters of Voltaire uh, to Mozart's, uh, to Haydn's symphonies or to Haydn's musical writing. It's the same precision, the same, um, uh, you know, humor. <laughs> That goes with it. But and, every and, word and is perfect. Every yeah. word is perfect. And of course, uh, the, the, we are in this world of, 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 of tolerance, uh, which was the essential thing of, 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 of Voltaire. Mozart's universe is about pardon. It's about tolerance. It's about clemency. Not for nothing, his last two operas are about, about fraternity and clemency. 
Yeah. You know, so um, Mozart is all love, isn't he? And, and Rousseau yeah. was a very sensitive I was also creature. sensitive. And uh, Haydn and Mozart, and I, I want to keep Haydn and Mozart very yes. closely together and show their differences. Now, you see, uh, Mozart's being born slightly later and in a different milieu. He comes from a bourgeois milieu and he comes from, uh, from, 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 uh, from a world of sensitivity already. You know, you, you remember sense and sensitivity or sensibility? Yes. Yeah, but the world of sensibility. And uh, that is already his world. Haydn, Haydn, 24 years before him, when he gets to Vienna, uh, when he's eight years old, he comes in, into the late Baroque world and he will be creating the classical world together with Mozart and Beethoven, obviously, later on. Um, so it, 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 there's a very different different background between uh, between the, these two people. Uh, Haydn, Haydn is, is, is a villager, you know. Um, his father was a carter. Uh, his mother was working at the Esterhazy's, uh, you know, in the kitchen. Uh, he's a self-made man. He will be, and this this kind of self-made will be very much a, a, a kind of isolation, a kind of um, a kind of uh, solitude. He, he, his world is affective solitude. Mozart is search for love, of course, and as and I wanted to come back to that. You know, next to the pardon, the tolerance, and clemency which are the key words of enlightenment, there is, of course, love. And, you know, um, I speak to, uh, about love to myself, says Mozart somewhere at a given moment. I mean, and Mozart, Haydn will create the forms and Mozart will reverberate himself and love into the world. So we're talking about friendship between these two. Haydn mm -hmm. being self-taught in, in uh, philosophy. He's read everything. Very he different. works hard. He comes from a hard-working family. Um, so, Mozart, so, so does Mozart, a hard-working family, but sure. they're very different Very worlds. different. <laughs> but, you know, um, from hand to mouth, probably. Mm -hmm. And Mozart is completely different. How these two have met, and, you know, by the time Mozart and Haydn meet, uh, unless Haydn met Mozart when he was a little boy doing his tours, when they meet, the, Mozart doesn't really need a music teacher. So how do uh, they, they? How can there be a friendship between this party boy and this serious cultured man? Uh, the, yeah, the serious cultured man was a very funny man. At the same uh -huh. time, he was—he's a brilliant intelligence. You know, people don't talk about those things enough. You know, Heinen is a brilliant intelligence. I mean, it's, it, and he can take distance from the world. You know, humor is being able to take distance from oneself and mm. from the world and and his works will be will be f full of it of course he 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 creates forms he will create those forms and, uh, and, 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 and especially the form of the symphony, the form of the quartet, and the form of the, uh, the piano sonata. Mozart will go on, and I'm coming to your question, you know, I'm coming to your question. Mozart will go on with the opera and with the piano concertos. Uh, the, the great difference is that one is a formal organization, the other one is dialogue. <laughs> opera is dialogue between human beings, piano, 
an orchestra. It's the dialogue between the soloist and the orchestra. It's the dialogue between the individual and society that is being now more and more open, that is made by the, those individuals and is not, uh, not thought or pushed from vertically from despotism, from kings, from nobility and from religion. So we're back to the Enlightenment. And we're back into the Enlightenment. And this, so that, that movement, th th those two men uh, together will create the period which we will call classicism and which is immediately understood by the people around them and which will create the forms for the 19th century and for the 20th century until, until now. The music we listen to is the music that has been created by these by these two these two men, basically. So, in in the Enlightenment, uh, if I understand correctly, man suddenly has a right to think for himself. Thinking for oneself—that's not just a privilege. Yeah. And so, I guess the middle class will be developed also. Middle class develops. You know the the. Uh, 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 The nobility uh, takes the back seat now. Um, the, 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 that development goes together with the development of the orchestra getting larger and larger. So one needs halls to present those works. So it is the creation also around the time of enlightenment of concert halls because the, the middle class, bourgeoisie, uh, the middle class wants to hear their music. And from that time, there's going to be a split. Do you know that in Vienna, in Vienna, until about the time of Haydn and Mozart, Uh, symphonic music was part of chamber music because chamber, chamber, the palaces, these were all chamber uh, units <laughs> and symphonic music was part of it. Symphonic music will become itself thanks to Haydn and Mozart. I, I like to think about these symphonies that we play. We play so many of them in, in a year, the Haydn symphonies that have subtitles, you know, the hen and the bear and the drum roll and the surprise and and It seems to me like Haydn in this way was forcing people uh, to stop talking and to start listening. Mm -hmm. And that's part of, of the development also. Of course. And that's when composers, the name of a composer becomes uh, very different. Uh, they, 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 the composers will have to prove new things each time. Mm. It's, it's not a repetition of a form Uh, that was given and that is uh, the, the same that that reflects the same atmosphere and that imitates nature which was part all part of the baroque period we are now in a in a, in a world uh, where haydn and mozart go much further uh, further and i will I, i want i want to say this especially they will open up the the sound discourse you know the discourse of of what they call the symphony or what they call a sonata or what they call a quartet. How are they going to do that? By working on different themes. And these themes, you know, the, the, the dialogue, the dialectics between those themes or part of those themes um, uh, will create music which goes forward which is music of transformation, which is music that looks forward to something else. Suddenly, there is a movement within the music. It 
dynamites the whole system. So you're just making me remember this quote by Goethe, and you can only have that if, like in a quartet, the four members are driving together, not just one voice, because before it was the top voice accompanied. Now you have the four voiced as civilized, oh, I never, civilized men having a conversation That's together. Right. That's a huge change. That's a huge but change, absolutely. I have to drag you back, though I'd like to let you go, but I have to drag you back to how Haydn and Mozart, they, they were friends, yes. Mm -hmm. they, I guess they must have influenced each other, but in their music, the veritably like in, in the notes, how, how did this work? How could um, Haydn influence somebody like Mozart? Well, um, Mozart admired Haydn. Everybody knew that he was the great composer. They meet most probably, it's, it's not really well known, but most probably they meet in Vienna uh, in December, sometime December 1781. Mozart is in Vienna. Uh, he does his first trips to Vienna. He has discovered uh, uh, a family where he can stay and he will try each of the daughters until he marries the right one. <laughs> and, uh, and he goes, hey, good old Mozart. Uh, but uh, he, um, uh, he He's in a piano competition and uh, in 1781, a piano competition organized by the emperor. The emperor liked those kind of things. And, and Mozart is the great victor, victorious in that. In that. And, and Haydn could have been present at that time. But they, the, the meeting happens essentially around Haydn's quartets, Mozart's imitate, no, not imitating, taking Haydn and trying to go forwards from what Haydn has written. Mozart will not invent new things. Mozart puts the, the heart into music. <laughs> That's the, and uh, Mozart, uh, because of those 24 years difference, you know, uh, tonality has uh, arrived at its absolute balance, and uh, which was not totally true in the beginning of Haydn. Haydn pushes it forward, of course. Mm -hmm. and, but Mozart, at birth, gets uh, perfect, the perfect sound, the, the sound of harmony harmony, which he, he says very often, he said, I, I want sounds that love each other. I create sounds that love each other. Oh, that's and beautiful. And it's about yeah. harmony. And, and, and that's what he's looking for, uh, looking for in, in his music. And of course, he will transcend Haydn's music. But he works from Haydn's music on. I can tell you that in my research on themes and motives that uh, within the works of Mozart and Haydn, it is Mozart who 
always will use some of Haydn's Haydn's themes. Uh, I can give several examples in quartets, in between a quartet and his uh, Mozart's famous quintet, uh, Kachel 614. Um, he has listened to Papa Haydn, and I know what he has listened to. He listened to the 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 the, uh, the quartet Opus 64, number six, which Haydn composes in 1790, and the quintet is from 1791. So it, it it's it's okay. They could do things like that. Haydn, on the contrary, from 1782 on, from the moment he hears the Entführung aus dem Serraglio, doesn't compose any operas anymore. <laughs> and he, Mozart, when he arrives in, in Vienna, he will produce all from all these piano concertos, about um, more than 12 piano concertos in Vienna. It's one after another. It's his autobiography. He's telling the world who he is, how he's relating to the others, what what the world is about. And Haydn doesn't compose any piano co- uh, piano concertos anymore that's, from that moment anymore. That's not a coincidence. That's not a coincidence. Yeah. And what Haydn does, after Mozart's death, and Haydn really was deeply saddened by, by Mozart's death. Um, what Haydn does, he will, he will start using elements after Mozart's death to remember Mozart. So an example is the, 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 the theme in the uh, slow movement of the uh, symphony number 41, the Jupiter, which he will use in his symphony number 98. And both symphonies you can hear at the festival. So this is, is a Too wonderful true. bridge. Yeah. Both symphonies you can hear. So Jupiter, 1788. Mozart dies in 1791. 1792, when he gets the news, will, Haydn will use it in his symphony number 98. But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. He will use the tuba mirum uh, theme of the, uh, of the Requiem Mass, and he will use it in his Nelson Mass in the Quitolis. Yeah, Nelson Mass is from 1798. And more than anything else, uh, the Quam Olim Abrahe of the Requiem, he will use it in the fugue, the trio fugue with choir of uh, the seasons, which he composes in 1801. Haydn composes in 1801. So there are things, but they... They they resemble sometimes sometimes certain pages of Mozart are Haydn like. Mm. How are they Haydn like? Or oh, because they're monothematic, or because they're very very straightforward, or pushed forwards because with with a very popular verve with popular. <laughs> so you think that they were winking, winking at each other? They were winking at each other. Certain pages in Haydn could be very Mozartian, because what does Haydn do in his symphony number 86 in 1786? Lots of chromatism, very Mozart-like. So, or melodic seduction, you know, m- melody, very seductive melodies. For example, the, uh, the, uh, the, the slow movement of the um, uh, D minor uh, quartet, uh, Opus 42 of 1785, or the F major one, Opus 50, number 5, 1787. But those pages most probably would have existed without, without Mozart. Uh, but 
they most probably also were. He ha also had a very good ear. Mm. Uh, you know, th there are extraordinary coincidences also. For example, <laughs> Symphony Number no. 82, The Bear, you were mentioning names. Yes. The Bear is in um, C major. Well, the same year, a month later, uh, Mozart uh, writes his uh, C major uh, piano concerto number 25. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, when when Haydn writes his um, D major uh, symphony number eighty six, well, it's the last example I'm going to give. Then uh, the, the 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 D uh, D major, yes, D major symphony number eighty six. Well, uh, Mozart will write a few weeks later um, his uh, D major symphony. Number thirty-eight, the Prague Symphony. I yeah. mean, it, yeah. it's very funny. They, they, but there was yeah. that kind of, that was that kind of going from one so to they, another, palling around, and they were, yeah. you know, Haydn at Haydn at the end of his life. I think it's in eighteen oh one. He said, "Oh, Mozart was 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 the great one, and uh, and he liked me. He called me Papa." You know, and that's in a 1801. This is a this is a text from somebody who was. So he uh, he still drew some joy from that friendship no. that they had. You see that 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 friendship. They uh, there was no pa passage of power between the two. There was real. There was a real dialogue from 1782 until Haydn's death, most probably mm. after Mozart. Uh, the, uh, Mozart disappeared so early in back to the enlightenment a little yes. bit because I'm 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 wondering they were these two were creative forces and I'm a little bit puzzled also as to how they would meet that much because um, you know I didn't from what you've told me he was cloistered basically at Esteras most of the time he was a, a valet and he had a, a hard time getting away and I, I was just imagining how he would plan his trips to Vienna to to go visit well, with Mozart. Well, one of the one I can give you a, a very good example about the the, the problems. Uh, um, in uh, it is in seventeen ninety two, seventeen ninety two, I think so, seventeen ninety two, that Mozart uh, gets into the uh, Freemason, becomes a Freemason, mm -hmm. and. He uh, two months later, at the end of January, he says to you know he says to Haydn, you know, you should you should be a Freemason too because this is where things happen. They you know it was not only a the Freemasonry was not only a reflection and, and a put into practice of what the philosophers had written. It, it went further. It, it, it was in fact the beginning of the creation of civil society. At that time, I mean, I can I cannot say it in lesser words, but they, they were, of course, there was the symbolic realization of liberty, of equality, of fraternity, which are the the moral 
foundations of that order, but you know, and which Mozart very quickly will reflect in in his first of the of, of the important uh, uh, Germanic operas, which is the Entführung dem Serai, Selim Pasha, the other guy, <laughs> Selim Pasha says, yeah. "Nimm dein Freiheit, nimm Constanze, take your liberty." At the end of the opera, take Constanze, and you have both fundamental elements, you know, the liberty and love. Perfect. And that's what Mozart says in that opera. Yeah. Well, he says something else in, in another opera, besides the magic flute, which is Freemasonry all over. But um, in my readings, Figaro, Napoleon says uh, Figaro is the revolution already begun. Mm-hmm. And so, well, Napoleon really went in there and messed things up, but that's another story. Now, uh, uh, Bonaparte, Bonaparte must have said it, and Bonaparte was good. Napoleon was not good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is. So, we, I, I'm, I'm. When the Enlightenment was happening, yeah, uh, there's Figaro, there's uh, Haydn being very creative like this. Listen to me. Did they know that they were in the? period of great effervescence oh, or yes, oh, yes. yes. yeah I, I i am absolutely things happened during those years they knew. don't forget that 1789 yeah. the french revolution too true yeah. uh, don't uh, don't forget that joseph ii did uh, all kinds of uh, of transformations of society not to have the same problems the french had the french didn't didn't understand it you know they they had to go into the streets and and the king didn't want to understand anything anyhow but joseph ii was enlightened he knew what was happening he was surrounded by people that were all freemasons at that time uh-huh. he was surrounded baron van sweeten was one of the people he was the head of the library, Baron van Sweeten will be writing the libretto for uh, for uh, the, the creation for Haydn, and the creation by Haydn, the the, the oratorio by Haydn, which he writes, uh, you know, at the end of the eighteenth of the eighteenth century, is is really a um, an element of Freemasonry because it is. Uh, half and half on religion and half and half on the new humanistic thoughts. There is nothing about the fall of paradise, nothing of it anymore. God is not present anymore. He's only present in his works. <laughs> and but, what and it, it yeah. finishes with two human beings that fall in love with each other. So Haydn has taken the flag for uh, Mozart and uh, 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 well, it. and it's on a, on a, on basis by Van Swieten. What I was yeah. saying is that Van Swieten, uh, being a man of enlightenment, a man of the Freemasonry, um, was one of the counselors of of at the time of, of Joseph II. And uh, Joseph II is the one who decided everybody should be educated. Mm-hmm. That was part of the schools are opening. He opens the parks. He opens the ballrooms. He he and the school liberty of religion. It all happens at the time of Joseph the second. That's what they call Josephism. Josephism. (laughs) Uh, Enlightened absolutism. But may I come? uh, Yeah. But may I come back? Yes. Enlightened absolutism. You gave the example of the uh, the uh, the marriage of Figaro, and you were talking about Beaumarchais. Well, Mozart takes this work two years after the premiere in Paris, two years, and after it has been forbidden. (laughs) So he takes the work, and what does he do with the big soliloquy of of Figaro, which happens in the fifth act? 
Mozart will take it and puts the soliloquy in about two minutes and a half in the first act right away. I am your equal, Count. And that's what he's saying. I will make you dance on the air, on the melody of my guitar. So true. So Mozart so takes it, puts it straight in, straight in front. And, and of course, you know, it, 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 Joseph II and all these people understood very, very clearly what was happening. Joseph II is the he ordered the Serai opera, right? Uh, he uh, he knew he, about the Serai, yes, yeah. and, and uh, yes, 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 yes. So uh, this is where the servant, like uh, Figaro, the servant is an equal to the boss. What I always That's say, unusual. Mozart didn't know this, but he was part of it. He was the embodiment of enlightenment. Right. He didn't know this, but his. Uh, his Inferno as them Serai is about liberty. I just quoted it. It's good, you know, yeah. Nimm dein Freiheit, Nimm Constanze. The marriage, of, uh, the marriage of Figaro, not say the Figaro, is about equality. And then, of course, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the magic flute is about fraternity. So Haydn and Mozart together uh, in friendship, it's amazing that these two men so different would become friends and, and feed each other, nourish each other. But there you have it, great men who are not, uh, who are sure, sure of who they are. Also. Only great minds can have constant friendship. Is this a Jean-Jacques Van Vlasse? No, 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 no. This is a, this is a writer of the, uh, the first century. Uh, he's a Latin writer of the first century. His name is Curtius Rufus Quintus. Thank you so much. I'm just looking forward to talking with you again. Thank you.